0: science is not it's not everything so i know i don't want to become a professor
1: you've just heard wim otte he is an assistant professor and researcher at the university medical center i talked to him in the beautiful botanic garden of authof it was a conversation with several unexpected turns salifiers and this is the voice of Utrechtgang Academy
0: epilepsy is a very um, uh, devastating disorder so it's characterized by um, unprovoked recurrent seizures and these seizures happen only um, uh, a few times a day or a few times a week so if a person is suspected of epilepsy for instance a child um the mother visits the GP, the child looks normal so the GP sends the child to the hospital and the child looks normal but um we know that the brain is probably damaged or has a uh, uh, underwent a certain modification um which um resulted in this epilepsy so it would be nice if we could use the um brain characteristics um f- from imaging data um to uh, get more information on the diagnosis so although the child is or, or the person is not having any problems at the moment of diagnos- diagnostic work, work out um it it um would be nice to to be able to um to see whether a person has epilepsy yes or no so this requires um sophisticated image analysis to to really f- um the, the, the small changes which determine whether a brain is diseased or not. There are broadly two kinds of research questions in my field. So the first is etiological research questions like um, how do uh, brain cells work? How does the brain function? And the second research question is related to the clinic, um, where, li- where doctors like to know what is the diagnosis and what is the prognosis of a s- certain patient with a certain disease and a certain treatment. So these are two very different uh, fields so if you first talk about the et- etiology um uh I work in uh, particular with animal models, so I get ethical approval from a uh, f- from the hospital to work with uh rats and with uh, mice and I scan them with high um i field mRI scanners
1: you do it yourself,
0: yes, but I have been doing this for uh Seven, eight years now, so I try to get rid of it and have my PhD students do this for me. <laughs> because it's, uh, stressful and, um, um, I prefer the image analysis more than the, the animal handling. So that's about the et, uh, the etiological, uh, studies. The clinical questions like diagnosis and prognosis require, of course, clinical, uh, scans. So these I get from neurology departments, um, at multiple centres. So from, Utrecht, but also UCL in London, and I use those data using image processing to um, get information on diagnosis and prognosis. (coughs) Um, So I've also studied computer science, but I never, uh, uh, I didn't do any internships, so I didn't get a diploma, but I'm fascinated by uh, computer software and programming and uh, I, I i script a lot i'm um, using air in particular the open source uh, statistical package um, s- so uh, indeed this is a research which is applied so it looks like uh, for some people like a black box and um, other um, people may say well is this real science this, this looks like some industry uh, uh, work um, so th- that's good to know that you have to combine this always with etiological research to get more insight in why are specific factors related to epilepsy, for instance. Um, what does this inform us on the um, medical conditions, on the on the disease, and can we also understand the the disease itself better with our data?
1: So, can you define etiological research?
0: Etiological research is um, a research where you look for causal factors underlying us specific condition which could be a health healthy condition like aging or uh, a disease
1: so this is the classical way that the, the physicians did, did their research
0: yes but the, the downside with this um, like group-based averaging um, um cause of factor research is that it doesn't provide any I- personalized information whereas uh, a, a, a patient or a doctor is not interested in the um, risk of smoking on on a cardiovascular uh, event, it wants to know for this person with this ethical background, with this kind of food intake and this kind of uh, body mass index, what is the specific risk on getting a heart attack or whether the treatment will work or whether epilepsy is um, going to respond on a certain treatment. So I'm currently looking into deep learning, which is this uh that that's also been used by Google for this uh s- s- this uh automated car driving. Um, and that means that the computer determines what kind of image properties are used for the um uh algorithms, whereas c- um the the older uh machine learning techniques require from the user to determine what kind of properties are being uh looked at by this algorithm. So I'm I'm still very much working in this older um a setting which means that i uh look at the connectivity in the brain so in, in the past people have um um considered the brain as a collection of very specialized regions so a region for language and a region for motor area and a region for thinking but it appears that this is not the way the brain functions so if you get for instance a uh a, a lesion in the brain other areas are very eager to take over functions um despite the big lesion, so the brain is not so much um segregated in, in clusters, but it's functioning more from a like a network perspective
1: a lesion means
0: a lesion means a, a, a damaged place so if you have like fifteen percent damage in your brain um in particular in children after half a year, you can't even see it in the behavior B- because of this plastic uh, plasticity um uh uh, potential of the brain so o- other regions take over functions which are um, uh, lost due to this damage um, what we currently have is uh, like an app a smartphone app which could be used by physicians to uh, fill in the individual properties of uh, a person who wants to stop it uh, epilepsy drugs and this algorithm predicts with a very good certainty whether the person will have um, will be cured or not
1: so this came directly out of your research yes it's very exciting isn't it yeah so w- uh,
0: we c- we're currently r- uh, working on a lot of d- of similar apps to 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 enhance the diagnosis and the prognosis which um uh speeds up the the whole medical process
1: is it out of the trial uh phase is it really used by the g p s all over the world
0: uh yes so we d- this this app was shared with the international society and we have some s- you know, statistical tool on the website who which tracks the number of, of of uh of people using the app and of course you never know whether someone is just trying it for fun or use it for uh, for real patients but it looks like uh, multiple neurologists are, are starting to use this app and hopefully also the other um uh software tools to to uh, to facilitate their diagnostic and prognostic workup
1: Normally in fundamental science it can take up to several years until you see that your research is being applied while actually you see the result of applying your research as it is happening. That's
0: true, so that's uh, exciting for um, for the field in general, um, although I um, want to make this remark that it it's available for the rich and the fame, so the persons who ha- have access to a uh, um uh a a good running hospital with m r i scanners and and on all the the data acquisition um which is um not something that's available for everyone I, in fact if we look at epilepsy it um it it has been estimated that eighty percent so that's uh four fifth of people with epilepsy live in low and middle income countries and particularly in the rural areas because that's where they get this um The risk factors are highest like parasitic infections and and, and long labors and those people have no access to hospitals they have no access to to, uh, MRI machines um, so in fact I'm working on uh, on algorithms which are going to help the rich and the famed to become even more um, healthy uh, healthy, um, so I'm actively helping to
1: get the segregation between poor and rich even bigger do you feel bad about it that you're o- only helping part of the people?
0: Yes, I feel bad about it because it like in um in uh because it changes the way the um, the medical system works. So uh, if everything is um or a lot of the um procedures are based on I- imaging and currently there is a tendency of increased um um use of like imaging techniques. Um, it means that a lot of people are missing the boat, to so to say. So that I- if you don't have imaging, you cannot have a proper diagnosis. If you don't have a proper diagnosis, you cannot start with treatment. If there's no treatment, um, yes, the that's that's a problem.
1: But isn't it possible that you know in a few years the imaging techniques become so accessible that uh, low-income places also have access to these imaging techniques? Is that going in that way, or you don't think that in the new future this happens?
0: Um Yes, but it should be on the research agenda. So uh, um, I'm, I'm personally uh, actively working on this because I've, I've, I, I think it's important that I should do this as well, but it's difficult to get funding for that. So what I um, try to do is to use this um, EEG rather than this very expensive MRI technique to come up with the same diagnostic uh, um, uh, effic- efficiency for epilepsy. So an EEG is in a very expensive machine in the clinic as well. So like Thirty to fifty thousand euros. However, in the um, in the gaming industry, they have this very cheap wearable uh, wireless headset which improve your shooting uh, skills in, in this in, in 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 this shooting games. So I've tried this hardware, which is about five hundred uh, euros, um, in uh, about um, three hundred people with epilepsy and healthy people in Nigeria and Guinea-Bissau, and we get very high accuracy in in the calculation of the, the epilepsy diagnosis, so there is potential that even with low-cost hardware, we can um, also get information on diagnostic and prognostics. But it's it's a challenge, and people should also work on this and not forget it.
1: So it's g- very, very exciting for me. So you, the the mere research tool. Even do you are working, even though you are working in Utrecht, which has all the imaging techniques that the money can buy, you still choose a gaming device. For your research and go through the trouble of uh, translating uh, the data from the gaming device into real diagnosis uh, to help a wider range of patients, even though you could actually just use the MRI machine and just do more accurate and more sexy research. So why do you do that? I think so.
0: It's always. Difficult to to uh analyse this kind of, of behaviour in particular when it's your own behaviour, but I think it has to do with meaning. So um, um, uh of course the we have an increased power in the w- in the things we can do in 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 our research everything is accelerating. Um, but I- if there is no meaning attached to it, why do it? Why, why should I enhance these imaging skills if uh only a very small minority of the world population so less than two percent is benefiting from it?
1: So what is the meaning that you would like to uh connect to your research? Uh because I think that I- the, um,
0: the 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 in the ind- industrial and scientific uh, developments are going very fast and they have really helped to um um enhance uh, People's lives, so the poverty has has, has reduced generally. Um, the hunger is is, is there still like 50 million people with hunger, but it's much less than like 30 years ago. So we are improving, but we should not f- uh, forget that if there is too much segregation between the 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 winners and the losers, um, we we end up in a in a very segregated world, um, which makes it difficult to tackle global problems like like uh, these ecological problems because why should a person in africa bother about uh, a, a tree if he needs wood to c- to cook his food um so if we if we can enhance our lives together so the medical system and and the the way we prepare our food and 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 and, and this uh, s- solar inventions um it 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 benefits everyone rather than only the the elites and the the people who are born in high income countries.
1: Next to leading a research team, Wim is also involved in running a humanitarian organization for which he stays in Africa one month a year. I asked him about the goals of their NGO and how he manages to combine this activity with the exceedingly busy life of a young academic. Uh,
0: This charity focuses on on young people with uh, a disability and if you have a disability in the Netherlands it's difficult to access buildings with your wheelchair and, and if you're blind how to get the bus uh which is delayed and is, and stops at a different platform. But if you live in, in like in rural or sub-Saharan Africa you have a real tr uh problem. If you're deaf and no one speaks sign language and if the school doesn't allow you to come and if you are stigmatized and your father and mother have twelve children and they have only money for three to send to school, they are not going to send to one which is deaf or blind. So um what we try to do with our charity is to to um uh, um empower the community to get rid of the stigma and also um give these people with a disability a, a chance for an, a, a normal life. Um the the second reason is that I have uh, s- sometimes issues with um with the speed of the um, the o- of, of of my um of my life in the Netherlands, so everything is very rushed. i uh, wanted a discussion with my grandfather and he said and we calculated that i s write more emails in a month than he did in his entire pr- producti- productive life and he had an administration job so within two gen and he's still alive eh? so in two generations um there is this um, massive uh, acceleration of of information transfer um and of course i'm i'm uh, i'm a fan of slow science but it is not going to work that's not th- th- it just doesn't fit in the system so what i love is that sometimes um uh i need to 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 get my my head empty so that's where i plan like three or four weeks to to go to um like west africa i c- i'm of course i do some data collection there and, and questionnaires and, and it of course it's related to with my work but it's the main aim is also to, to have this out of o- office reply for a month, and I have no access to my email because there's no internet, and it really helps me to come in my creative mode. So when I, I'm, I'm, I'm living there in the bush and I go through the, f- from village to village on a motorcycle, I suddenly get these ideas which I can apply in my like MRI images, which I would not have got sending 100 emails a day behind my desk here or running from one. Uh, m- uh, meeting to the other one. <coughs> Establish the first grant. This is like a, uh, um, it helps to get a second one. And if you have two, then the reviews will say, "Oh, this this person already had two grants. Probably he's a f- he's a very good scientist." So you get a third one, and then you're in the s- in the system. So y- the first one is the that's the tricky uh, uh, grant. So that's mostly in the. In, in your first postdoc uh, year, so that's very stressful for people and i think that's also where the drop out is high so people get frustrated and they go to the industry or they become a, a classroom teacher which is i think perfect um uh, so um I- I- it's uh so i think i think if you're successful you'll become even more successful because it's like this self fulfilling prophecy in um in the like in the medical field th- to get a grant you need to publish in um well established journals, so these high impact papers. Now these high impact journals they reject more than ninety percent of the manuscripts. So it's not about the content, it's about the um, getting um inside this ten percent. So how do you do that? You have to um exaggerate your results. So you say well epilepsy is a devastating disease and it's very important to to work on this, and what we found is a game-changer, these kind of uh, writing styles. And you have to write it in a way that you touch the reviewer. So the reviewer has to read a lot of papers. He's probably a very active lab member. He gets 200 emails a day, and he has to review this manuscript with 45 pages. Um, So you have to make sure that you have a clear writing style and that you um, are able to to touch uh, he or, uh, or she in the heart. And one way to do it is with language, but but it's also very effective is figure. So if you have a beautiful image, that's typically where people scroll to when they have to review. They scroll to the images, and if the Im- if the image is disgusting and it's ugly and it's unreadable and the legend is full of abbreviation, which you have to look for in the main text, it's not going to work like that. So you have to to really spend a lot of time on your images and your text. So I give my PhD students the advice to take a Photoshop course and an illi- indesign illustrator um, uh, youtube tutorial for uh, uh, a lot of hours because um, i see the importance of um, having these nice images and uh, and and maybe we can also hire some ghost writers to improve our manuscripts Um, that's that's how it works and uh, i think a lot of people do not understand this or they think well i'm not good at photoshop so i'm just have my images it's all about the data but it's not true it's not all about the data it's the it's the way how you sell yourself and how you sell your work and that's that's uh, part of the game. And y- um, if you don't want to see this or you don't want to work on it, you are going to, to, it's increasingly difficult to uh, manage your position. important to specialize. So when I was inv- involved in animal research, it took me half a year to get ethical approval. Then I had to order the animals, the new animals because they sent me the wrong ones. Then I had to do the surgery and the scanning. It, it, it took me so much time and energy. And um, so after my PhD, I said uh, I'll try to 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 handle and scan animals as um, I- 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 in as little time as possible and perhaps, uh, maybe uh, not at all, so my PhD students can do this, I only do the image processing. And this has really worked out very well, because I get suicidal and I have to write this ethical approval, uh, documents, it's terrible. So, so I have colleagues who do this for me. <laughs> um, they're doing fine. Uh, so we, we specialize, they do the ethical uh, stuff, my PhD students do the scanning, um, and I can focus uh, and spend my energy on improving my software and do the the image analysis um, state-of-the-art. I can read some of the literature uh, which I would not be able to do if I would also have to do the scanning and in the other stuff. So it's I think it's like hyper-specialization. It's the only way to go. It works fine because um, what I see with a lot of PhD students in the medical field is that they they are so scared about statistics. So if you talk about statistics you see eye their eyes open, the muscles get more tense um, and they they are really happy that there is this nerd who uh, likes to do all the analysis and the image processing for them as long as they do the data acquisition. So there's this win-win situation. Uh. <coughs> I, I, I don't Feel that I'm very busy. Th- that's a very strange uh, uh, feeling, I know. Um, so sort of f- maybe it, it helps um, um, going through life without a smartphone. But on the other hand, I, I check my email very regularly. And, uh, and so you are not using a smartphone? No, no, I'm, I'm against smartphones. And uh, why? B- because it makes people so dependent from the internet, and it, it also uh, uh, generates this this bubble um uh, information where people live in so y- what I understand is that if you are on the, are on this social media like Facebook and uh, Instagram um you get this information pop-up which fits your profile, so if you are a neo-nazi uh, or if you are a, uh, uh, a, f- a feminist or if you are a scientist you get different information from the other people that's very scary uh, <laughs> I see it in the bus so I travel by uh, public transport everyone is, is glued to their smartphone and they get very frustrated when the battery
1: is low or, um, so, uh, so that helps but many established scientists are on Twitter or on social media and they claim, at least some of them claim that being on social media helps in increasing their network uh, getting more publicity for their work which translates into more citations Uh, becoming more famous being invited to more conferences so you know they say it's all about networking right and don't you miss that yes yes so I hope this podcast will help me (laughs) 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 but you are not planning like for your career to advance become a big professor
0: no so in fact uh, um, you won't believe me but it's true I decided to to quit science when I'm 40 years old so I still have six and a half years um And I, of course, I want to work very hard in six and a half years. But uh, science is not, m- it's not everything. So I no, I don't want to become a professor.
1: Why at forty?
0: Yeah, it's a nice uh, number. <laughs> so l- I assume that when I'm, g- uh, I'm giving the health. Of course, I'd like to become eighty. So forty is like fifty percent.
1: So there's still time for a career switch. And y- do you already know what do you want to do next?
0: Yes, so I study theology at the moment, so I want to become a reverend.
1: goal for the next six and a half years that you are still a scientist or you want to stay a scientist yeah, yeah very smart uh,
0: question so I, I'd like to continue with um, with the, the, the way I I, I um, do science now so I've, I have currently a lot of freedom um, I have to to get one or two more grants to to, to solidify the uh, of course the, 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 the personal um, uh, cost and also the running cost I have a very good contact with uh with PhD students and my my colleagues some postdocs and I really enjoy um uh, discussing with them new opportunities and a new research field and also uh um, what kind of prediction modelings would 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 benefit most um uh, the uh, the global um society so uh I'm also happy to participate in the Utrecht Young Academy to to get um stimulated and also um uh have nice discussions on a m- a meta level with people from very different disciplines so like for instance law they've d- really um uh, other systems on how to work with with grants and publications, but also their their interest is different but despite there is this common theme of being um eager to understand the world around us and our society and um our modern life. So I
1: like that. Okay, but well, now let me uh, put myself in the shoes of the head of department after all this time of research and the grants you get and the experience you build up, you want to leave science. So what happens with all those investment on making the experienced researcher you are?
0: Yeah, so I think the there's uh, there is this um very strange idea that um, that also that everything has to uh, profit somehow um, someone so who is this um, so this director why am i um, uh, obliged to spend my entire life in science when i've decided to to work very hard now and and, um, um, uh, make other people uh, uh, enthusiastic for science why should that, um
1: continue until my 67th year I, uh well, I mean I agree that it doesn't have to continue but all the things you learn and form your brain networks uh, are something in you so you will become an experienced researcher more than the other students in your department because at this moment you just said they cannot do the things you can do and all that experience once you stop doing this programming will live with you unless you tell me that you have a very nice way of transferring these skills to other people that you as a physical person are no more necessary to be there because your legacy is in your code and in your methods and your students
0: yeah I, I, I like this question because I, I, it implies like a moral obligation that I, um, like science is, is like um this this new religion that we uh, we use science to explain the world around us and to to work on on our diseases which are technical problems and if we solve these technical problems we get eternal life and we get a very nice society and everyone is happy so if you work on that you should also dedicate um, uh, everything to that so you're d- d- uh, d- what i find particularly also with uh, nwo is that these deadlines from grants are always just after the Christmas holiday so it means that you spend your entire Christmas holiday w- working upstairs while your family is uh, below around the Christmas tree working on your grand. Well, not all of them, some of them are before, right? Yeah, okay, but, so, uh, but it there is no it's like a continuous um, uh, enterprise which never stops, it's, t- it's 24-7 um, um, and. Uh, there is no the system just can't handle um, people saying i'll uh, stop at 40. they think it's it's a waste it's a waste of personal investment it's a waste of uh, uh, of money and it's just a waste in general so we, we are losing a, 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 an, a colleague which could help us to get this scientific enterprise even even further uh, what i think is that it, it should also be important to look at the um, alternative enterprises so people looking for meaning so wh- why why am i here on this world now and what should i do with my life i think that's also important to address these kind of questions And you need people for that and um, i'm not saying that a religion is the only one but uh, i think i mean also coaching or, or uh, are very Im- important maybe as important as science um, to to go hand in hand so we need vaccinations and we need prediction models but we also need um, uh, sufficient um, and continuous meaning to make our life purposeful and also worth living. scientific background to s- also address um, this kind of um, areas which are currently very much ignored in our society so our society is very technocratic it's very much uh, focused on science and science will 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 resolve every problem we have and I think that's just not true we need also to, to have this full perspective so also take into account the the other elements of our human life, we have to address um, ourselves in a holistic way and that's what science is not doing so I'm happy to spend my other 40 years on these kind of areas.
1: So how do you imagine yourself as a former scientist now referent when you're 45 or 50 what are you imagining yourself doing?
0: I will probably still follow the literature, uh, medical literature because it doesn't mean that i d- i don't love my, my research field anymore but i think that um i would be more interested in the um, in the the human uh perspective so how how does this rapid diagnostic and prognostic work change the the way people deal with epilepsy for instance is there are they happier does it change the way they do to diseases like epilepsy which are very devastating um is this uh this problem of the rich and the fame becoming more rich and fame is that um being addressed um uh, uh, more I- in, in better ways in 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 this new science um so I would still be very much in uh, eager to follow the activities in the in the sci- scientific world but um I would also like to know how people which are mortal and we are going to die one day probably deal with this very rapid, accelerated field, because it's exploding.
1: You have done research on uh, on trustworthiness of publications, or clinical trials based on certain criteria, and you had very interesting findings. Can you just summarize what that finding was?
0: Yes, so clinical trials are the, um, the flagship of the evidence-based medicine, so like uh, guidelines and protocols are all based on information from clinical trials, and in the past people considered outcomes from clinical trials as like the the truth. Now recently, more recently, so in the last couple of decades, um, there is this um, um, discovery that about 80% of those clinical trials are not reproducible, which is of course a uh, it's something to worry about
1: 80 percent that's four in five
0: yes yes and it differs of course was it discovered um, using meta-analysis and also with um, with um, with having this data more digitally it was more easy to compare like uh, extreme effect sizes and in different fields um, with modeling uh, outcome so the the problem is uh with every um uh, s- clinical study is that a priori you typically don't know the effect size so for instance, you look at um the effect of uh of epilepsy on 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 car accidents you can of course somehow predict maybe it's uh it the, the chances are are uh like let's say a person with epilepsy has two hundred percent uh risk in comparison to someone without. Which is 100% to have a car accident in a very dangerous area, so that's a risk of a risk ratio of two. That's already very high. So typically, these ratios are much more. It means that the smaller effect size you want to invest, um, I- investigate, the more samples you need to get a, a, a proper estimate. But if you need more uh, subjects, um, it takes longer to, to recruit. And if you have only a PhD of four years, you find out uh, in your, let's say, third year that you are you've are you included 25% of your study population, which you initially um, uh, estimated based on this theoretical framework. Uh, but then your supervisor said, well, you we have to publish this because your PhD is going to end and it already took three years. So let's wrap it up and use the numbers we have now. And yes, it is significant, so why not publish? And that's where all the trouble starts. So people ha- take the shortcuts and the, the sample size are typical too low. What we did, we investigated like 200,000 clinical trials, which are part of a much larger meta-analysis. So we have the meta-analysis, which is an aggregate of individual studies, which c- gives more information on the truth. The truth, of course, we don't know, but this is the best guess we have. And we can use th- those meta-analysis estimates to calculate the, the number we actually need to have a decent outcome. And it appears that, um, I think, it uh, depends on the criteria, but... Uh, eighty to ninety percent of clinical trials so that's nine out of ten are underpowered so they have too, uh, so the number of participants is too small to have a reliable estimate of this increased risk of for instance car accidents That's all over the medical disciplines we wanted to know so that's more the etiological aspect so why do some studies have uh, have sufficient samples and so this is ten percent and why do other studies have this very poor um sample sizes, and there are of course theories on this so maybe um I- I- it has to do de- so if you have a multi centre study probably the sample size will be fine, but we thought maybe it also had to do with like gender um, s so what we b- because uh, like males they have this tendency to to have uh to take m- risks more easy than females maybe uh maybe female researchers are um more careful with their research because they have this minority position so they really have to make sure that what they publish is is outstanding and has a high quality. So
1: is that your hypothesis or is it out of the results that you're mentioning? Because you didn't mention the result yet.
0: No, so that was our, our hypothesis and, th- and that's what we tested so for those t- clinical trials we um extracted the first names from the first and the last author so these are proxies for uh, junior and a senior researcher so the senior is typically the last one and the one who does all the work is the first one and we compared those first names to a very large database which gives us the gender so we know for suddenly it's probably 90 percent chance that it is a male and the whim is 100 percent male so we could use these probabilities to determine the actual gender so there is some error there but we managed and then we compared the pairs of collaboration, so the first and the last author. And what we found out is that if the senior and the junior are m- female, then d- the result is is bad. If both authors are male, then it's not going to work. If the senior author is a male, so the dominant one, it's not going to work. However, if the last author is a female and the first, so the junior one is a male, then the results are much, much better. So uh, it, it was difference was very big um, the, the results are um, um, the, the quality is, is is much improved
1: what would be role of programming and technology in your Future, Vim Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. So I, I'm, I'm fascinated by language in particular computer language. It's imp- imperative uh, um, way to 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 d- design algorithms, uh, which work on a lot of aspects in life. So uh, um, I, I think I would continue doing some programming in, in my spare time on uh, maybe automatic um face recognition with my webcam in the backyard or backyard or something like that uh or maybe get my own um uh automated car uh d- uh driver software uh installed or maybe um mm, m- maybe also buy this e g cap this uh from the game industry and try to 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 enhance my uh my writing skills or my my uh my social skills by that, by some feedback loop with some software uh, problem.
1: Thank you very much, Wimot. Yeah,
0: thank you so.